1: Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. My name is Linda House. I'm the president of the Cancer Support Community, and I'm lucky today to be sitting in for your regular host, Kim Tebaldo, who is out today. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered now at more than 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Your doctor tells you your cancer treatment was successful and now you are cancer free. Many people have rang a bell when they finished their last round of chemotherapy or radiation therapy. This is a great moment of joy for everyone. But many often ask, now what? If you complete your cancer treatment, you may experience a full range of emotions. You may be relieved that treatment is over but are worried about the future. In some ways, this transition is one of the least understood aspects of the cancer experience. Many cancer survivors have told us that they felt... They had lots of information and support during their illness, but once the treatment is stopped, they enter a whole new world that's filled with new and really unanswered questions. A lot of uncertainty around, what do I do next? I'm not coming in for my appointments. You know, who do I reach out to? How do I transition into work? A number of unanswered questions. You know, in this episode, we're looking at the topic of moving forward beyond this phase of treatment. Managing Physical and Emotional Health and Empowering Survivors to Live Their Best Life After Their Cancer. Today, we're really fortunate to have two individuals who are experienced in this topic join us. Carol Lammesfeld and Claire Saxton... Both will be on the show today. Claire will join us in segment four, but let me start off by telling you a little bit about Carolyn Lammersfeld. Carolyn is the Vice President of Integrative Oncology at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America, or we will refer to it as CTCA for short during the rest of the call. Carolyn has been with CTCA since 1998. She is a licensed and registered dietitian who is board certified in oncology nutrition. Carolyn earned her bachelor's degree in nutrition and dietetics from Bradley University and her master's degree in clinical nutrition from Rush Presbyterian St. Luke's Medical Center in Chicago. She also earned her master's degree in business administration and healthcare administration from Quinlan School of Business at Loyola University in Chicago, and I think you can see through those credentials why we're so excited to have Carolyn join us today. So welcome to the show, Carolyn. We've got a whole hour to answer some of these questions on survivorship, and we so appreciate you being here with us.
2: Thank you, Linda. I'm excited and and looking forward to talking with you.
1: So before we get to the topic at hand, let us first learn a little bit more about you. You have a really interesting educational background, and I know that you have a clinical background that's equally um, interesting. And so just talk to us about how you started working with patients with cancer and what your current position is at CTCA.
2: Sure, and you, and thank you for the introduction uh, you, you provided as well, which I think goes through kind of um, my ed- education history. I actually have been working with people with cancer for 25 of the 30 years of my career. I, I was fortunate, I think, early on to, um, in a couple positions prior to coming to Cancer Treatment Centers of America, or CTCA, uh, to, to work with a variety of different populations of people during their cancer treatment. And compared to other populations I work with, really, really noticed, one, how important it was for both the patient and their caregivers, at, at least early in my career, to deal to help manage the nutrition challenges they had during and after treatment, and really how, how motivated they were to participate in their care. And so early on, I, I really found that was uh, the area that I wanted to practice nutrition in. And then about 19, actually a little over 19 years ago, I found Cancer Treatment Centers of America and and started as a director of nutrition there and helped expand the nutrition program as it grew to five centers across the country. So I did that for 12 to 13 years. And then about seven years ago, moved into this expanded role overseeing the integrative oncology program. And you mentioned about having a lot of these resources available during treatment, and that's exactly what we do at CTCA. So we have an integrative care model, which combines the treatment for the cancer, surgery, chemotherapy, radiation with integrative or supportive therapies at the same time under one roof. So I work with the the model of care that provides uh nutrition, acupuncture, chiropractic medicine, mind body medicine, naturopathic medicine, uh traditional rehabilitation services, physical therapy, occupational therapy, um and along with spiritual support massage. So I, I was able to move into that area and help coordinate that program across our five centers.
1: That's great, thank you for sharing that, that with us. And um, at some point in this, in this conversation, I do want to focus a little bit more on some of those support programs because they really are, are remarkable. Um, but let's let's really start with the basics and help our listeners first understand when we're talking about the term cancer survivor, who is a cancer
2: survivor? Sure. According to the the National Cancer Institute, um, anyone who has been diagnosed with cancer from the time of diagnosis through the rest of his or her life is considered a a cancer survivor. Uh, Some organizations also include the people affected by the diagnosis, family members, friends, caregivers, as well as the the actual person being treated for cancer. We know there are about 15.5 million cancer survivors living in the United States currently, and unfortunately, that number is projected to grow now Uh, In 2006, the Institute of Medicine published a report, uh, Cancer Patient to Cancer Survivor Lost in Transition, and the title reflects what you mentioned in your opening comments, uh, that cancer survivors have specific medical, physical, and emotional needs that need attention. And that's why CTCA is really excited and proud to be partnering with Cancer Support Community and Livestrong to provide the Cancer Transitions Program for cancer survivors, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, a little bit later.
1: No, thank you, and, and and we appreciate the the partnership there. We're excited about this program um, as well. So you know, let let's talk a little bit about um, during treatment, and then also after treatment. And we know that there are some treatment-related symptoms or side effects that patients experience in a pretty common way. Um, you know, I think about, and and you you know fill in fill in the blanks for us. But I you know personally think about. Um, fatigue or this idea of nutrition you know what do I eat what don't I eat do I eat sugar do I not eat sugar those are those are some of the questions so can you just talk to us about some of those symptoms that sort of cross-cut the entire cancer continuum that patients may experience both during and after uh, treatment you know why are they what are those and why are they so important and and really how can they be managed Uh,
2: yes of course so I'll, I'll start with fatigue because that is a very common symptom, as you said, that crosses, crosses across many cancers, many treatments, uh, both during treatment and as a, a long-term effect continuing for a period of time after treatment as well. And I, I think it's important because it is different from the type of fatigue that many, many people may Share that they experience on a regular basis. It's it's a very draining, um, ongoing exhaustion that really limits your you know one's invi- uh, ability to do their activities of daily living and potentially things they enjoy. And it's not necessarily relieved by rest um, from. Typical fatigue that we we might think about. So I think um, first, most importantly, is make sure that individuals are sharing the you know the fact that they are experiencing this fatigue with their their doctor and healthcare team. Because so sometimes uh, I know I've had um, patients tell me they they kind of just think it's something that goes along with uh, care and it's not necessarily important to share. So make sure you're telling your doctor and healthcare team that you're experiencing fatigue. And it is a difficult one because it is multifactorial. Um, so it needs a team approach both to evaluate it, you know, to, to understand how much of it is from uh, either anemia or... Um, There's an anemia of chronic disease that people with cancer may experience, and there there are other causes of anemia, too, that could be ruled out. Uh, Understanding, you know, how much is from pain, depression, anxiety, um, inactivity, sleep. So there are so many, um, you know, other symptoms that can be also contributing to fatigue, so it needs to be evaluated by a, a multidisciplinary team, and then the management um, in many cases is also um, multidisciplinary. So it's nice if you have that approach during treatment, and then you know a program like cancer transitions and resources to help you um, after treatment. So if it, for fatigue, for example, I mean there are some you know general things we tell people: take advantage of the best, the best time of day, manage rest with activity, you know, not being afraid to ask for help, um, writing lists for people, you know, to help you with tests. But but again, activity, so the right amount of activity can actually help with fatigue, good nutrition, so eating well, which we can talk about more um, later as well, Um, psychosocial support, so both in the form of maybe what we think about with traditional counseling or support groups, but also things like hypnosis um, and yoga may be helpful with this type of fatigue. Um, so that's that's my recommendation from a standpoint of fatigue. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have uh, follow-up questions to that or well,
1: can you speak a little bit? to um, long-term side effects you know so we know that that when patients sort of stop their chemotherapy there still might be side effects that are that are lingering as you had suggested with fatigue Um, but maybe just talk with our listeners a little bit about you know this concept of long-term side effects what are they and you know what can survivors do to manage through them.
2: Sure. So you know, some of the some of the long term side effects, you know, we talked about fatigue. Um, some individuals may still experience um, nerve pain after treatment, um, hearing loss. Um, you know, some treatments may affect the heart, uh, change in hormones, um, weight gain um, can be can come with certain treatments. And, and that's something that should be um Evaluated and managed from a survivorship standpoint, you know, even effects on bone. Uh, so again, I think the most important um, things for people to know is to talk with your doctor and healthcare team if these, you know, first so that you know whether these symptoms are are expected or. Potentially can be a result of the treatment you had, or if there's something else going on that needs to be evaluated so uh, that 's why communication's very important um, between uh, you know those that treated you for your cancer and your primary care doctor or primary health health care team, so talking to them, but then also looking for um, programs or support that can help with some of the... Because everything I mentioned for fatigue, for the most part, can be helpful with some of the other long-term side effects as well. So, you know, support, support support groups, um, community programs, activity, you know, eating well, um, yoga, etc.,
1: great we are going to run into our first commercial break and when we come back i do want to talk to you about some some things around body image and and body changes that i think are important to address as we think about cancer transitions this is frankly speaking about cancer we have to take this quick break but we will be right back with carolyn lammersfeld of the cancer treatment centers of america your
3: life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and
0: wellness effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery for the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing how to handle co-workers questions how to get comfortable with new physical realities how to reassure worried family members or explain to friends your priorities have changed Or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope.
3: Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia, Cancer Care Care the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848.
4: Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Communities' Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, Blackberry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, Blackberry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now, here's your host. Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's episode is brought to you by Genentech and the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We're so fortunate to be joined by Carolyn Lammersfeld today, who is the Vice President of Integrative Oncology at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And we're really talking about how do you readjust to life after your cancer treatment. And... Carolyn, we, we left off and you gave some great information about how patients can manage um, particular side effects and, and, and long-term side effects that, that are in place after their treatment stops. You know, I'd love for you, given what you do at CTCA, to really speak a little bit about coping with body changes due to cancer treatment and maybe start off by giving our listeners you know, an example of what some of those changes might be that you see your patients trying to cope with.
2: Well, cer- certainly uh, a cancer diagnosis causes as all kinds of ad- adjustments, both just to the disease and then some of the body changes you men- mentioned. So we may see, I was just talking to someone actually this morning um, who's had a mastectomy and working through some of those those changes. Uh, that's a very common one we see. And I'm fortunate in the integrative model that I work with, It that I work with a whole team of psychosocial experts, uh, mind-body medicine, if you will, and and so those individuals are, are really instrumental during care in helping work through uh, these issues and changes, and so um, much like I mentioned uh, with fatigue and other long-term side effects, uh, a multidisciplinary approach may be helpful. Uh, I neglected to make, mention acupuncture with regards to fatigue and potentially other long-term side effects, so that's something I want to make sure I mention. But in this specific area, as far as adjusting to changes to to your body, uh, psychosocial experts are, are what I see, um, in addition to potentially, uh, you know, spiritual counselors, depending uh, on on the individual people's um approach or preference so so sometimes uh spiritual counselors have additional training that can be helpful in this area as well so if you if you don't have access to that um you know one way is to, t- to talk with your doctor uh, to see if if they can help with that or or give you a referral um to these types of individuals so um the, of course the cancer transitions program covers this topic very well as well um and the cancer support community I know provides uh, both um, online and in-person counseling and education, so that may be a resource um, in addition to uh, the American Psychosocial Oncology Society, where you can find a referral um, to individuals that may be helpful. Um, with with this approach, but again, I making sure you have support um, from somebody with this expertise, uh, you know, a, a social worker or psychologist um, that can help with some of these uh, the adjustment to this these changes.
1: Great, thank you for that. And you know, one of the things that we are um, very familiar with is just the high percentage of patients who are living with either depression or anxiety, and. You know, uh, when when you think about the people that that you work with, you know, what what do what do you do, and 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 how do people cope with you know just the stress of managing, you know, transitioning into this next phase when they when they don't have you know weekly access to their physicians or their nurses.
2: Yeah, and, and as we as you mentioned, and yeah. It is common, and I think it's important for people to know it's common and it's normal to have this type of a response to a cancer diagnosis, and also, you know, when you're entering the end of treatment, and kind of being, you know, sort of sent sent, uh, you know, to kind of get on with life as people patients have described it to me, and it's sort of you have this. Um, this whole network of people helping you, and then many times you may be, you know, sent off to manage this on your own. Uh, again, if you're fortunate enough to have treatment in, where this is provided, um, you know, t- talking with those individuals. So at CTCA, um, we're we're addressing all of the, you know, this anxiety and many of the the symptoms that happen during cancer while patients are being treated. Um, so we. You know, we will be communicating that with their their doctor and healthcare team, but also they will be working with um, mind-body medicine um, individuals that help them with, um, for for example, anxiety. And so those individuals may be doing the traditional um, talk therapy. Uh, we have you know so support groups, but then they can also help them. Um, with a referral to get that type of support. Um, Again, if they're, you know, the Cancer Transitions Program is one option, but they can help them find support in their area because they have been working with them um, throughout their care. They may be, again, assessing the individual to find out what what works best for them. So it might be music therapy, it might be stress management, relaxation techniques, meditation um, is something we're finding with research, um, may be helpful for some individuals. I mentioned yoga. Yoga can be helpful for anxiety as well, acupuncture, um, massage, uh, you know, who doesn't, most people feel better after a massage. So there, there are a number of things that, that people can you try um, during treatment that then can be continued into survivorship, either with programs like cancer transitions um, or asking your healthcare team to help you with referrals um, for these types of services. In your community, when you go home, Um, with the with the emerging uh, telehealth, uh, you know there will there will be, I think, better ways to transition care in the home, um, and continue to provide these services for for cancer survivors as well.
1: And I just want to give our listeners um, a quick heads up that we are going to give the telephone number for post, which is one of the resources that you just mentioned, and then also the cancer support Communities helpline later in the show. So in case our listeners want to grab a piece of paper and a pencil, we will come back with, with that, number, um, that number for you. And in the meantime, Carolyn, w- you know, one of the things that um, th- that we wanted to sort of raise is just this fear that, you know, once, once people have completed their therapy, you know, part of what people talk about is this fear of their cancer returning. And I'm wondering if you could say a little bit about your experience with that.
2: Yeah, and I and I, I think utilizing the resources you you mentioned and we've discussed, I, I think it's it's critical uh, to to share um, in for individu- individuals to share that fear um, and ask for support. Um and, and being informed. So knowing you know, knowing signs of recurrence and what to look for and again that's where communication with your healthcare team is critical and your oncology team so that you know, you know, what what you can expect long term and know, you know, when something may be um something to expect and when, when something maybe May need follow up., um, you may need to make a phone call and get in to see your your doctor. Um, keeping up with tests and appointments uh, that are recommended um, for follow up um, so that you don't get behind in in knowing uh, n- knowing whether something is okay or not. and again, all the things we mentioned, so um, utilizing resources uh, if it's individual counseling, support groups. Um, or if you know, uh, or experiment uh, with things like music therapy, uh, meditation, acupuncture, massage, to find you know what works for you and helps manage the anxiety. Again, in addition to sharing it, um, being informed and keeping up with tests and follow up appointments. Mm-hmm.
1: So part of it is to reestablish some of the early detection routines that people may have had prior to a cancer diagnosis.
2: Yes, absolutely. So you need to you need to make sure you're having all your your screenings that you had before, um, and and there are other things you know we to be mindful of too. Uh, pe- people that have survived cancer still are at risk risk for other chronic diseases, heart disease, diabetes. So to make sure um, you're either um, continuing with with the tests for for those diseases, or if you already have those comorbidities, managing them well um, because you know I, I have actually worked with patients who have survived. Um, pretty significant cancers only to um, end up shortly after finishing treatment, you know, having a heart attack or stroke. Um, So it's important to keep up with your overall medical care as well.
1: Yeah. And stay very aware of your body and what's different for you. Yeah. So let's just talk about um, family and friends. And, you know, we hear from patients that there's a point when they finish their treatment and their family and friends sort of think, oh, okay, you're, you know, you're cancer free now. Um, And and they have a different approach to them moving forward. They may not, you know, be as connected or they may not be as, I don't want to say supportive in a negative term, but they may feel like they don't need as much help as they did prior. And what Mm -hmm. is your experience there? And how can survivors really help navigate those conversations?
2: Yeah I I've heard this I've heard this from a number um of patients I I you know I also have people in my family that have been affected by cancer as most people do just based on statistics so I've seen it both personally and professionally and I think some of it is again with the many resources we're talking about is feeling em- empowered and learning how to hopefully not be afraid to tell people what you need I I don't think people intentionally um feel like it's okay to, you know, to not talk to the individual or think that they don't need help anymore. They just, they just don't know. Not everybody knows uh, how to see what needs to be done and do it. So um being, you know, being okay with telling people what you need, um, potentially even giving them a list um, of things you need help with. Uh, again, because not everybody can see what needs to be done and just take action. So maybe providing your family and friend list lists of things that need to be done and letting letting them decide what they can help with. And even if it's just, um, I think this one's really important because I've seen this both personally and professionally. Even if you just need to ask people to listen and not, not, um, Feel like they need to help or, or solve something. So it's kind of two different things. Don't be afraid to ask for help when you need help with with tasks and activities. But don't be afraid to ask people to just listen to you too, um, and 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 find out who those individuals are who can listen comfortably without feeling like they need to to fix whatever it is you're you're sharing.
1: Mm-hmm. So communication is definitely the key.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and as we move into this next commercial break, I want to give people three resources um, that we've mentioned during this particular segment. So number one is the APOS helpline, and that number is 866-276-7443, and you had mentioned that by calling that line, callers can be referred to mental health professionals in their area. I'd like to also mention the Cancer Support Community Helpline, which is also staffed by licensed mental health professionals. And that number is 888 793 9355. We will repeat all of this at the end of the show. And then the third reference I'd like to give um, people, and this is, Carolyn, based on your comments around making lists or assigning mm-hmm. contacts. Um, We work with an organization called My Lifeline, and they have an online tool that allows you to set calendaring, make requests, engage, and provide your family and friends with updates. And for our listeners, that um, web address is www.mylifeline.org, just like it sounds, M-Y-L-I-F-E-L-I-N-E.org. And this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more after this commercial.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help. And many of the people in their lives want to help, but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Train, sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar, to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific Meal Trains this October. To learn more, visit mealtrain.com/mmt and enter the code Magnolia B, or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. Cancer, it's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer.
0: Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co workers' questions? how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Today's show is brought to you by Genentech and the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. I'm Linda House. I'm lucky enough to be here with you today, filling in for your regular host, Kim Tibaldo, this week. And we've been talking to Carolyn Lammersfeld, who is the Vice President for Integrative Oncology at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And Carolyn, let's shift just a little bit and talk about nutrition and lifestyle, which is really your your initial interest in working with people with, with cancer. And this is definitely, you know, your, your wheelhouse, and you are one of the leading experts here. You know, so this is a, a popular topic because it's really one of the areas that patients and survivors feel that they have the most control over as they're going through their, their cancer journey. And so just talk to us a little bit about some of the guidelines that you give survivors about, you know, let's, st- let's start with their diet and nutrition.
2: Sure, absolutely, and and I want to start by mentioning that the role of nutrition in both cancer um, prevention or risk reduction, if you will, and survivorship is is complex, and you know still there's a lot we still need to understand about it, Uh, but we do get some some signals in studies, you know, of what 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 types of um, diets or ways of eating at least seem to um, change markers of risk, if you will. And so one of the things I think that's critically critically important that we make sure we cover is for individuals to... Really, all individuals, but on the whole spectrum, so from prevention, during treatment and survivorship, uh, to really achieve and maintain a healthy body weight and that may look different for individuals, so some may be underweight, uh, particularly during certain treatments and need to work on that. but the bigger problem in our country right now is is the obesity epidemic, um, and you know we know that two thirds or more of, of the population is carrying extra body weight, and that is a big risk factor um, for at least 13 different cancers. In fact, the the statement that's going right you know around right now, but the statistics support it, is that tobacco is quickly over. I'm sorry, obesity is quickly overtaking tobacco as the number one preventable cause of cancer in this country. So. So, most importantly, is is finding a, a diet which is basically a lifestyle or a way of life, um, along with activity and addressing, you know, your your emotional health. Um, finding what works for you to help achieve and maintain a healthy body weight, um, and even if that is losing a small amount of weight initially, um, small studies suggest that even five to ten percent uh, weight loss can help with these markers of risk. So, it doesn't you don't necessarily have to take it all on at, at once. And so, some of the things that have been associated with helping individuals achieve and maintain a healthy body weight, um, one is uh, plant-based eating, so trying to focus more on a plant-based diet um, where meat is is maybe only um, occasionally or small amounts and really the majority of your Calories and nutrients, if you will, coming from whole grains, fruits and vegetables, uh, things like beans in place of meat for protein, and and cold water ocean fish at least a couple times a week. Um, and then um, the other thing that has been associated with, uh, you know, un- with weight gain uh, is is sugar, added sugars. So we know we get some of that from um, fast food, convenience foods. So one of the things we do is. Um, ask individuals to try and gradually cut down on the amount of added sugar in their diet. And the current recommendation is that we if you eat roughly a 2,000 calorie diet, which is what we use just for the purpose of uh, food labels, would be to decrease your added sugar to less than 50 grams a day. Um, But if you need to lose weight, you may need to eat less than 2,000 calories. So you may need to be more down in the 25 to 35 grams of added sugar um, a day. So so plant-based eating, um, trying to cut down on you know, fast food, convenience food, and added sugars, which we get from those as well as uh, beverages, and a lot of uh, baked goods. And
1: so what complements, of course, the eating piece is the physical activity or exercise. So, you know, how do you really, you know, coach survivors into moving into physical activity? Is it something extreme? Is it something gentle? How do you do that?
2: yeah absolutely. And one thing I want to mention, kind of going back to the nutrition, is actually our website um, at cancercenter dot com dot cancercenter dot com has a lot of very good information on on healthy eating with recipes and even short cooking demos. So I don't want to neglect to mention that. And Great, the activity, you. of course, goes along with the healthy eating, particularly as it relates to to weight. Um, certainly, at our centers, we're we're working with the patient's physician, but we always ask people if if we're you know if they're not um, if they're starting on their own to talk with their doctor to find out what is safe for them, and then really working with a team of experts that can help customize uh, a regimen for you uh, based on 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 where you're at. So generally, we will start if you know if somebody hasn't been active um, or is you know recover still recovering from treatment uh, we, we we ask them to shoot for the current recommendation of 150 minutes a week of activity um, but again that it's activity we, we, and sometimes we use activity instead of exercise because it really everything counts gardening walking and so we will work with individuals uh, to first get them into that 150 minutes a week however that needs to be broken down so if they are experiencing fatigue that might look like um, ten-minute sessions three times a day most days of the week of mm-hmm. you know walking or biking or gardening whatever it is that the individual is able to do and and enjoys I, I think that's important too it it has to be what they are capable of doing and something that they enjoy so that it becomes a lifestyle and you know and then after that 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 may be enough and some but some individuals we we may work with them to um, the other current recommendation is 75 minutes of vigorous activity. So if somebody is capable and interested, uh, we may work with them to uh, work towards that goal versus 150 of of mild activity or more moderate activity. So I've worked with um, individuals who after their their cancer treatment have started running um, 10Ks and I think they could beat me in a 10k race, but uh, so you know, so they've they have found a, a joy for for running or biking uh, after treatment, and then if you can, uh, our exercise specialists, so we have um, and individuals can work with physical therapists, exercise physiologists uh, to also incorporated incorporate some strength training, ideally a couple days a week, um, and some stretching. Um, one thing that we, we also recommend a lot of is yoga, because if you do yoga where you're actually doing moving through postures, you can really be getting aerobic activity, some strengthening and stretching all at once. And as we mentioned earlier, it may also help with, you know, anxiety, fatigue, et cetera.
1: Great. And and so just uh, just talk to us because you know, a lot of what you're saying about both nutrition and um, activity, they involve setting goals, even if they're, you know, small achievable goals that build over time. So, you know, talk to us about the importance of goal setting and how does that fit into a survivorship plan?
2: It's critical, as you mentioned, and, and, uh, the Cancer Transition Program does a very, very good job of working, uh, walking individuals through a survivorship plan, uh, which, of course, any survivorship plan has to include exercise, emotional health, nutrition, medical follow-up. And, and, and to make progress in all of those areas really requires setting goals and breaking breaking things down into smaller, smaller steps. And, of course, it'll be different for everyone um, based on what works for them. So um, one of the examples... I, I, I use. Uh, I mentioned the importance of weight loss as it relates to nutrition, but also activity. Um, one a patient that I've been working with for over 10 years now, um, a breast cancer survivor. When I first met her, well, certainly when I first met her, we needed to get through you know, surgery and some of those immediate things. Um, but, but we ended up in a discussion about about weight, and you know, ideally our goal during treatment was maintain just maintaining weight. Um, with diet, activity, a whole lifestyle approach, um, and not gaining weight, and then after uh, treatment, we've been working on uh, weight loss. And this individual had about 40 pounds to lose based on her body composition, um, but we broke it out into very small steps. So, you know, the first goal was to lose uh, five to 10 pounds, um, and we, we we put a plan together. Um, for that, she lost that and 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 really hasn't lost uh, additional weight, but has lost five or ten pounds maintained that and is doing very well so um, so it, it's critical, particularly if somebody has a lot of change to make in this area you know to, to set set goals that are what we call smart so specific, measurable you know achievable or attainable, realistic, and time bound um, And and sometimes you may reach, so if it's weight, you may reach the 5 or 10 pounds, and and then you may set goals uh, to go further than that. And in this particular situation, the individual lost 5 or 10 pounds and is, you know, by all other accounts, healthy and doing well. And so um, we haven't pushed too hard to, to go any further than that
1: hmm That's terrific. And Carolyn, we are moving into our third commercial break. And I know that you're going to be leaving us at this point in time that Claire's going to be joining us. But I wanted to thank you so much for being on the show today and for sharing really, really valuable information um, with, with our listeners. And I wanted to, in just the, you know, the time that we have left... See if there are, you know, is there anything that we that we haven't covered that you would want to make sure and leave our listeners with any advice or words of wisdom? What would you like for them to to, to walk away knowing from you?
2: Well, well, thank you for having me. I, I think if, if you are still being treated for cancer, you know, do do some investigation. If if you're not having some of these the supportive care in your um, mm-hmm. treatment. You know, use some of the resources we mentioned to, to try and incorporate this into your care. And, of course, as you move into survivorship, um, be sure to utilize uh, the, the resources we've mentioned, the, the Cancer Transition Program, um, the, the numbers you shared. Again, I, I put cancercenter.com out there as a resource uh, as well to help uh, individuals both during and after treatment.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And this is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and we will be back with Claire Saxton, who is the Cancer Support Community's Senior Director of Education, right after the break.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health &
0: Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed.
3: Or call 617 733 5848. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right.
0: You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tebaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community.
1: We're back with Frankly Speaking About Cancer. In this last segment, we have Claire Saxton joining us. Claire is responsible for CSC's National Patient Education and Outreach Programs. Claire Claire came to CSC from the Urology Care Foundation, where she managed national patient education programs and public awareness campaigns with partners that included a number of coalitions, including um, those who are working with National Bladder Health Month and working with the National Football League on Prostate Cancer Awareness. So a lot of experience in this patient education and outreach spe- um, space. So Claire, we are going to jump right in with you and, you know, talk to us about the Cancer Transitions Program and just give us, a, our audience, a, a sense um, about what it's going to be all about. Sure. Uh thanks for having me and uh
4: the cancer transitions program it's was jointly developed by the Cancer Support Community and LiveStrong. It's a free educational program to help cancer survivors make this successful transition from active cancer treatment to What happens next? What's the next chapter in their lives? And so the program was designed to target many of the issues that cancer patients and their loved ones face once their treatment is over, Um, issues like the ones that you and Carolyn talked about earlier that can affect your mind, body, and spirit. And so Cancer Transitions is looking to help people move from their last day of treatment and and figure out, what do I do now? Um, And some of the key things that it looks at is um, activating people to reach for a higher quality of life by practicing healthy lifestyle habits, Um, things like exercise and staying active, nutrition, um, emotional and social issues that happen after, Uh, Treatment is over. It could be going back to work, um, you know, dealing with people who have been helping so much and now trying to get back to a new normal for you, Um, and and also helping to manage medical issues moving forward. Where do you go for your general health? And who do you talk to if you have some issues that are more long-term effects from your cancer treatment? And so the program is designed to support, educate, and empower survivors. And it's pulled together. There, It's six-week sessions. And it uses a variety of techniques from a written workbook to interactive education pieces as well as utilizing the support of the other cancer survivors who are there with you so more people who understand what you're going through as well as actual 30 minutes of gentle exercise every week and nutrition activities to help people incorporate these healthy lifestyles over the six-week period of the, of the program.
1: So, Claire, you touched on something that I'd like for you to, to say a little bit more about. Uh, you, you use the word new normal, and I think we hear that a lot. And if you could just take a minute and, and explain that to our listeners, I think that would be really helpful.
4: Sure. Sure. Um, you know, a, a lot of times when people are first diagnosed with cancer, they're frightened, but once they get a treatment plan and it's moving well, they feel like, okay, I'm doing something, I'm being active to help um, with becoming as healthy as possible. Um, And when that treatment ends, it can end up with people kind of feeling like, well, where do I go now? And um, a lot of what we hear from cancer survivors is, yes, my life is moving back to, what my normal had been, but there are some changes in that. Um, for some cancer survivors, those changes have to do with body image. Um, for others, it has to do with some long-term side effects that might affect their daily life, like fatigue and, and incorporating new habits to help overcome that fatigue. Um, and And the... A lot of people actually find some meaning in their treatment in terms of giving back to the community, or feel like they they reevaluated their life, and um, here's something more that they want to participate in. And so everybody has a different way of. You know, looking at the experience, but we do hear over and over from survivors and their loved ones that um, I wanted my life to go back to normal, but it is a little different than it was pre cancer.
1: And so let's talk about the program. So, the elements of the program will help with all of those items.
4: Absolutely, because we're looking at, like I said earlier, um, having an exercise program and modifying it for each participant so that it's gentle exercise for those who need it, and more strenuous exercise for those who can participate in it, um, and coming up with plans to help think through, what do I want my survivorship to look like? And for a lot of people, um, that eating more healthy, learning about that, um, looking at stress management techniques that that can be used for relaxation, and also searching out and finding emotional and social support. And so the whole six weeks, um, kind of each week builds on itself so that at the end of the program, people come out with a plan of here are my goals for my survivorship, and also looking at a survivorship care plan so that it's clear to people and their loved ones, who do I contact when I have an issue? Do I always go to my general practitioner first? When do I reach out to my oncologist and go back to my cancer doctors? Um, So helping to kind of unravel a lot of um, questions that people have as treatment
1: ends and so the program relaunched just recently what is new and with you know with this second version and this the, the relaunch
4: sure um, the cancer transitions has been around for over a decade and reached thousands of patients um, through more than 425 completed programs uh, but with the generosity of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and Genentech, we were able to update our 2019 version of Cancer Transitions. So we updated both the program and the program materials, and we incorporated the latest research on maintaining mental and emotional health, the latest research on eating well for cancer survivors, and the latest research on exercising and and cancer survivorship. And as most listeners know, healthy eating guidelines have changed in the last decade, um, and And also guidelines for cancer survivors and healthy eating have changed in the last decade. So all of those were incorporated. We also introduced a survivorship care plan so that people have a record of their um, treatment history that they can go back to in the future if a healthcare provider needs that information. And then also... Um, recommendations for follow-up care, if it's needed, um, and so so those were kind of the big things that we changed in in the update. Is the survivorship care plans, and then incorporating the latest research on healthy eating, exercising, and and well-being.
1: Great, thank you. And um, we are going to, to to wrap. But Claire, I know that. Um, that, that there's a place where people can go on the website to get additional information on the program. So can you give our listeners that information? Sure. At Cancer Support Community's website, which is
4: www.cancersupportcommunity.org. If you go there and then do backslash cancer dash transitions that will take you directly to the page that lists all of the cancer transition programs that are going on right now and the cancer transition programs that we know will be happening in the near future across the United States. Um, If you have any questions, you're also welcome to email us at workshops at cancersupportcommunity.org.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Claire. Thank you for joining us. And I'm going to repeat some of these uh, resources for our listeners, if you'll just uh, bear with me. The APOS helpline is 866-276-7443. The Cancer Support Community helpline is 888-793-9355. And we heard from Carolyn that the Cancer Treatment Centers of America have a great website with resources, cancercenter.com. And then Claire, cancersupportcommunity.org forward slash cancer transitions, cancer dash transitions. So just to repeat that, www.cancersupportcommunity.org forward slash cancer dash transitions. And you'll get more information on this particular program. Before we end, I just want to tell our listeners about another opportunity to get involved in cancer research, and that is the Cancer Experience Registry, where today nearly 13,000 patients, survivors, and caregivers are already taking part in this particular project. The project really allows us to identify the emotional, social, and practical needs of patients and caregivers and, and, and what they have during their cancer, of, their cancer journey. And the intent is to really learn as much as we can about that cancer journey so that we can continue to do programs like we've talked about today to improve cancer care and also advocate on behalf of both patients and caregivers. So I would invite you to learn more and also join this effort by visiting www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. Again, it's www.cancerexperienceregistry.org. Thank you all so much for spending your time with us today. Until next time, be well, do well, live well.